Good morning. Let's give him a hand. Is that? If I had a red hat like that, it'd be covering my bald spots. That's what I like. Good to see you. My name's Don, and um, I know some of you haven't seen you for a while. Some of you I've never met, but um, I'm always happy to be here because when Alan goes away, I show up. And um, Alan is, is uh, off on a speaking engagement, and um, they've invited me into this series called A Road Trip, which deals basically with Paul and Barnabas on their first great adventure to, uh, to the Gentile world, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm glad to be able to share in this. So today we're going to talk about, um, in chapter 13, starting in verse 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me if you'd like. But what I love about following along about, about the journey and the adventure that Paul and Barnabas are taking is it's a time when God starts to rattle our cage about our adventure, about our, our being used by him and being taken to a, a different level. And the book of Acts, I mean, you can't, you can't start going through the book of Acts without just having your, your whole life shaken and rattled. And so my prayer this month as we go through this is that is exactly what will happen to you. So in this, um, in this fourth verse, Paul, Paul and Barnabas, up to this point known as Saul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul um, are, are called together by the church. They lay their hands on the Holy Spirit, rattles the place, and they send them off on this journey. In verse 4 of chapter 13, it says this. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. So they, they leave Antioch and they're heading to the coast and they, they go on this about a 70 mile, 70 mile cruise on the Royal Mediterranean to this little, little island called Cyprus. There's two of them that you know. Saul who becomes Barnabas in this passage of scripture and the rest of the book of Acts is about his actions and activity and ministry. Barnabas, who is the star coming up to this point in the first few chapters of Acts, and then all of a sudden they just kind of throw this in there. Oh yeah, John Mark went with them, kind of helping them out. So the, the group is a little bit larger than those two. You're going to hear a lot more about Paul. You're going to hear a little bit more about Barnabas, but I want to talk to you a little bit about two people that evidently showed up in this. John Mark... And there's another guy called the Apostle Murphy that went with him. You know Murphy because of Murphy's Laws. You know, there's, there's the Ten Commandments and there's Murphy's Law. Which, there's basically three of them, which is nothing is as easy as it looks. Everything takes longer than you thought. And if anything bad can happen, it will. Now, I hate to be kind of like Debbie Downer to you. I mean... Alan got you all fired up about this great adventure and how God's going to use you and take you. But here's what I want you to know. The Apostle Murphy still goes with us. <laughs> and the road is never as easy as it appears. And a lot of times we get so excited with the call and the passion of what God wants to do. And then boom, we're hit with reality. And if our expectations are not in line with 
with reality, sometimes we get this illusion because some of you think, just because I came to Jesus, everything is going to be good. It's going to be songs and roses and lollipops and rainbows, and it's going to be just, and it is some of that some of the time, but there's some, there's some tough road ahead when you follow Jesus. And some of you think, if I could just quit working in the world, in this, you know, I can get away from my job or all the junk, that, and I could just, if I could just take an adventure and work for Jesus, it will all, it'll be all successful, it'll be all fun, it'll be all, I've had somebody come up to me on more than one occasion and said, Don, do you ever have stress in, in your life with ministry? I always look at me, I'm 29 years old, what do you think? <laughs> do I have stress? If I can just do what God wants me to do. So Murphy's along. If you can't read through all the adventures of Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas and Paul and Tim and not see the Apostle Murphy with him. But I want you to see John Mark as well. John Mark is an interesting fellow. We, we get in, in touch with him and, and acquainted with him in the chapter previous to this. It's kind of an interesting thing. His mother's house is being used as a prayer meeting, which means it's probably a pretty big house. It's probably pretty nice. There's servants there. He comes from a pretty good background. And the reason they're praying is because Peter, James, and John, the disciples, Peter and James have got captured by Herod. James has been executed and Peter is in prison. And this, this group of believers get together at John Mark's mother's house and start praying because they, they want Peter to be safe and okay and let loose. And, and, and Peter's in prison. He's, he's, he's chained to a guard with both hands. And um, they have centurions all around him. And they have big gates and iron doors. And he falls asleep in the middle of the night. But the, the believers continue to pray. And they pray and they pray. And they, oh, God release Peter oh God give Peter freedom oh God bring Peter back to us the amazing thing is don't you hate when this happened that God actually answers your prayer and you don't expect it oh God give us Peter's sleeping and all of a sudden he's awakened by an angel and the angel has the chains dropped from his arms and he gets them up and says follow me and they walk right by the centurions. I don't know if, they, if he put them to sleep, if he angel tased them or something. I don't know, but they're out of it. And he walks right by them, and he walks all the way to this huge gate that's, that's holding them all in this, this compound. And the gate just, on its own, opens up. And the angel leads Peter out. And up to this point, he says, I guess it was like the, the air of the night that hit me, but I thought I was dreaming. I thought I was having a vision and all of a sudden I realized, this is really happening. This angel is delivering me and he takes me down this road and, and leads me to this, this house, John Mark's mother. And he, he goes up to the door and he starts rapping on the door. And the servant lady comes running to the door and peeks at the little thing and sees it's Peter. And she's so excited that she doesn't open the door. She just runs back into the Bible study, into the prayer meeting. Peter's free. free. Peter's been, he's at the door. He's, and they say, we're praying. Well, what? Peter's right there. No, we're praying for Peter. Now you just, finally, they, they convince him to go let Peter in. And Peter comes in. He tells the whole story. Everybody rejoices. This is John Mark's mother. I don't know if John Mark was in that prayer meeting. Good chance he was. If nothing else, you know he heard the story from his mom. 
And he's going, oh my goodness, this is unbelievable. But his connection is not just there. His connection is also with Barnabas. Barnabas is his cousin. So he's got this rock star, Barnabas, known as the encourager. If, if Barnabas was with us today, he'd be walking around up and down encouraging every one of you. If you just spent two minutes with Barnabas, you'd walk out of here going, this, I can, I, can, I can do anything. I love Barnabas. I love the Lord. I love life. I mean, he's just a big encourager. That's his cousin. But more than that, they think that maybe John Mark was actually an early follower of Jesus. In fact, his connection with Peter coming out of that prison is a long-standing thing because they think that John Mark was actually the author of the Gospel of Mark and that he heard conversation, took notes from, from Peter about what was going on. But toward the end of that book, the, the disciples are, are watching Jesus be attacked by the Roman soldiers and it talks about this one young man who, who had a cloak on and nothing else. He's naked under his cloak. And the, the Roman soldiers grab him, grab his cloak. He, he wrestles free out of his cloak. They hang on to the cloak, and he takes off naked, running. That's in your Bible. You ought to, you ought to read it sometime. That, that, they think that might have been John Mark. So he has this connection with Jesus, there for the crucifixion, there for the resurrection. He has this connection with Barnabas. He's... He has seen lame people walk. He's seen blind people raise up because the Holy Spirit has come now in the book of Acts. He's heard the stories, if not maybe even in the, the room with 120 people when the Holy Spirit came upon them and shook the place and came on them like, like a fire and they went out into Jerusalem and thousands of people came to know Jesus and Peter, who the little guy who was denying Jesus just a few weeks ago, is now preaching some of the most powerful messages ever 3,000 people come to know the Jesus. 5,000 people come to know Jesus through his... And, and Mark is going, oh my goodness. This is my connection point. And Paul, Saul and Barnabas coming back from a, a little uh, errand that they were running in Jerusalem bring John Mark with them to Antioch. And there they have a church service that just blows everybody away. I mean, they're worshiping, they're praying, they're fasting, and somehow the God's spirit just becomes so real in the midst that they gather around. There's other preachers and prophets and teachers there, but they select Saul and Barnabas to go from here. Jesus said, when you have the Holy Spirit come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, and they're getting ready now to go to the ends of the earth. Saul and Barnabas, you'll lead the way. And now we find out that it's not just those two, and not just Murphy, but John Mark is with him. On the deck, heading to Cyprus. The, the Greek term for, for Cyprus, the little nickname is the Happy Isle. Wouldn't you like to take a cruise to the Happy Isle? How much fun would that be? It's like going to Hawaii, sitting back, and I can imagine they're just going, this is, going to be, this is going to be the adventure of a lifetime. Can you believe it? We get to be the ones that start to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And they're thinking, thousands of people came to the Lord in Jerusalem. In fact, they, just, they said finally in the fifth chapter of Acts, you saturated Jerusalem with the gospel. Wouldn't that be great to say about Phoenix? You saturated this place with the gospel. It's time to kind of stretch it out a little bit. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? John Mark is going, I can't believe I get to be with these guys. And I can't believe the adventure we're going on. 
And off they go to the Happy Island. It's owned by Rome. It's filled with idols. Idols of war, idols of seduction, idols of immorality. And it's also got some Jewish synagogues there. There's some Jewish migrants that have gone there. And when they get there, they go first to the synagogues because there's a, a point of reference, as always in their, tra- in their travels. And what it says about, there's more than one synagogue, so there's a number of Jews. What it says about them is interesting because it says nothing, which I take to mean nothing happened. I mean, if, if they're on their very first adventure, they walk into this, this happy aisle and they go into the synagogue and they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and coming out of all that they've experienced in Acts, you would think, you'd expect them to say, and 3,000 people came to the Lord. Or all of a sudden there was a blind man and he was, he was able, he was given a sight. You, you'd think there'd be some great, and you hear nothing, which means, makes me think there was nothing. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to um, like be right here and sit and look out at people and, and talk and minister and then there's nothing. It's pretty discouraging. It's like, is my microphone on? Are you alive? Am I alive? Nothing. Paul, Saul, just says, all right, let's go to, let's go to the next place. Barnabas, come on. Hey, it'll be much better there. He's the man of encouragement. I wonder if Mark's going, that's sure weird. That's not what I expected. I grief. It's going to change. Barnabas, it's going to change. Don't you worry. It's going to change. Well, it changes all right. Look at verse 6. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos, which is the capital. Probably 150 miles or so from the east coast where they were. Going about 10 miles a day, walking. No food, no place to sleep. I don't know if there's any other synagogues. They get to Paphos. And not only is it bad, it gets worse. Goes from no response to opposition. There they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Bar means son. So just put that together. Hi, what's your name? Son of Jesus. Really? And it might, he probably didn't even know Jesus of Nazareth, but Jesus means salvation. I'm the son of salvation. I'm a false prophet, sorcerer, that will tell you how to be saved. Isn't that the kind of guy you want to hang around with? Whatever he's leading you, it's going, you know it's going to go the wrong way, but he gives you all this this great idea of what it's going to be like to be saved. He's the son of salvation. A guy named Bar-Jesus, who was, who was also the attendant of the proconsul, like the governor, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, very intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Now all of a sudden God opens this door. Nothing, 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 nothing. And all of a sudden, an open door. But where there's an open door, there's opposition. You can mark that down. Whenever God gives you an open door, there's usually opposition. How do you know you're on the right track in your adventure? Because God gives you an open door. How do you know it's an open door? Because there's opposition. That's how you know. Here he comes. Barnabas and Saul, they wanted to hear, in verse 8, Elymas, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the pro-council from the faith. So here they are talking to the, the governor of the, of the island. 
And here comes this false prophet, this sorcerer, toe-to-toe with them, not debating them or arguing with them, but just basically trying to turn the governor from the faith so that they don't hear. He, he knows if something happens where all of a sudden Sergius Paulus becomes a believer, his job's in jeopardy, his future's in jeopardy, anything he can do to stop him. The, the closest I can relate to this in my own life, a number of years ago, early 90s, Lori and I were invited to go to Athens, Greece. This was a, during a different time of life um, his, in, in our history as well as in our life, and, and uh, the idea was we were going to train pastors out of the Mediterranean. And we had a group of about 25 from all over the Mediterranean area. There, there were students from Lebanon, there were there was people from Spain, from Italy, from um, Greece, from Serbia, all, all around that whole Mediterranean area. And um, we had the opportunity to, to spend some time with them. Somebody got the great idea. Not only will we train the pastors, but every evening we'll go out and we'll, do, we'll, do, we'll hold services in the park. They'll allow that out here in Athens. And in fact, they really encourage that. And they said, Don, what we would like you to do is we want you to be the speaker. And we're gonna go into the, the town center and we have this group from Lebanon, these college kids, they'll start singing, and when you watch, there'll be a crowd that starts to, to develop, and as the crowd starts to come around, when we finally figure out we have enough people, we'll quit singing and you, you speak. Street preaching is what this is called. Uh, I don't know why, but I said, okay. I, I, think, I think they, you know, <laughs> I think they kind of grease my skin, you're so good, you know, you can, you're the best pastor, you're the best preacher on it. Uh, and I'm going, I'm used to like air-conditioned buildings with nice people. I don't want to go out to people I don't know that, are, that, that probably don't know anything about what I'm talking about and just start shouting. But off I go. And so it happened just like they said. The, the group starts to sing and the crowd starts to come. And there's 10 and there's 20 and there's 25. It's probably about 100 people or so start to gather around and they finally sing enough and they think there's, and then they just kind of, Okay, Don, I have an interpreter, and I get up, and I'm going, oh, um, God so loved the world. And I, I'm telling you, it, almost immediately, a horn starts blaring, somebody's alarm. Beep, 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 beep. And I, God, I, God so loved the world. What's the next line? I can't, uh, for and, and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in my head to get this out, and I finally I get going, and all of a sudden a little lady comes walking up and stood, like, it'd be like right there. She's, I mean, when I say little lady, she's a little lady. She's like about four feet tall. She's a munchkin lady. She's about that tall. But she walks up, and she just looks at me, and she's got a dress, kind of one of those business suits, and she has her, her billful, her pocketbook in front of her, and she, her eyes just kind of close, and she starts babbling. I think it was in Italian or Greek. I don't know. She was just babbling. And it started out really quiet. And it got louder and louder. And the interpreter walks up to me. It's beep, beep. The interpreter goes, Don, louder, louder. For God so loved the world. And she, she starts going louder and louder. And I find I get this whole message out. I'm intimidated. But I got it out, and, and the idea was when I'm done, then all the people that were in our group find somebody to speak to and say, what, do you, what was this guy talking about? What would you think about it? 
And everyone, there's probably, there probably a dozen languages represented. Everybody in Athens found somebody to speak to in their own native tongue, and they spoke to him about Jesus. And we ended up bringing a half a dozen people back to dinner with us who accepted Jesus that day. Unbelievable. And we're sitting there, and we're rejoicing, and we're talking about all this kind of thing. And finally, somebody says, Don, what do you think about that? And, and the, the, the students from Lebanon go, let's go back out there after dinner. And I'm going, are you crazy? You go back out there. They did. They ended up going, I'm not going back out there. Why? That horn, that horn started beeping, and it beeped the whole time I talked, and then it quit. Does that seem a little weird to you? Well, a little bit. And that lady, who was that lady? And the interpreter says, oh, she was trying to pray you down the whole time. She was praying curses on you, and she was just letting you have it. And I go, was she like a demon lady or something? And, and he said, no, she's from the Orthodox Church. And they are, they are very guarded about their church. They are intimidated by anybody bringing the gospel because if it pulls somebody from the Orthodox Church, then they lose their, their hearing and they lose their audience. and they lose. So she was, she's very intimidated by us being here and she was, she was praying you down. And I go, well, I'm going to be praying too that you'll find another speaker for tomorrow night. That's because I don't want to go. They went back out there. The Lebanese kids, they said, we can't believe we get to share Jesus and nobody throws us in jail. We're going to be out here. And every waking moment, they went back out there and shared Jesus. Pretty amazing thing. Here, all of a sudden, is this guy wanting to hear the word of God. And this son of Jesus is trying to do everything he can to turn him away. Paul, being filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 9. Saul, who was then called Paul, and from now on he's called Paul the whole way through. He, it's like he gets his apostle wings. Filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, I wish I'd have thought about this with the little lady. You are a child of the devil. Now, if any of you come to greet me afterwards and I go, you are a child of the devil, you will not go out going, Don was really filled with the Holy Spirit today. He called me a child of the devil. That's... Not what we usually connect with a child with, a, with the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. You are a child of the devil. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the right hand of God is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, and then you'll be unable to see the light of the sun. It'll, it'll literally be the blind leading the blind because of what God's gonna do. And immediately a mist and a darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed. For he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Wow. Well, I guess he believed. Watch that thing happen in front of you. And amazed at the teaching of the Lord. So you have... Nothing, 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 nothing. Open door, opposition, one convert. Verse 13 says, from Paphos, Paul and his companions. Now it's no longer Saul and Barnabas. It's Paul and his companions. Got his wings. He's the leader. It's those with him. They get in a boat, and they sail to Perga in Pamphylia. So if you go straight north from that little island of Cyprus into the very shores of, of Turkey, now, what they tell us is that that passage of water is very dangerous. And when you get there, there's huge cliffs that are very intimidating. 
And in that area at that time was an outbreak of malaria. So you have a dangerous ship ride, a horrible landing, nobody there to greet you, nobody there to feed you, no place to sleep, malaria breaking out, and Paul probably gets malaria, or at least he gets sick at this time. So when he writes the book of Ephesians, or the book of Galatians, which is kind of coming off this whole thing, he mentions, I, and I was sick among you. Here's, here's John Mark going, this is not what I expected. All this work, all this travel, all this, this praying, all this nothing, 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 demon oppression in front of us, one convert, dangerous voyage, no food, no sleep, Paul's sick, I'm going home. I went out of here before I get sick. I'm out of here. I, I quit. And he goes back. Wow. Wow. Now just before you think I'm giving Mark kind of a hard time here, you got to know that later on, Paul refers, looking back and calls Mark a deserter. This was desertion. You left me hanging. This is not like, okay, go home, God bless you. You must have an appointment or your mama's, you know, needing you. Or This is desertion. And Paul and Barnabas split over this. And Barnabas stays with Mark and tries to salvage him. And Paul says, I don't want anything to do with this guy. He quit. What do you do when Murphy's Law, the Apostle Murphy, comes onto your, your journey? And it's not as easy as you thought it was. It's not what you expected. Two things. Learn to say this and learn to realize this. Here's the words. I am sent. I am sent. We have a sending God, a God who sends us. And he sends us by empowering us with his Holy Spirit, the power of God, the presence of God with us. I am sent. Never did Paul ever question anything but I am sent. What I love in Paul's life, and you see it all throughout the book of, of Acts, there's this natural progression of, of, of growth that comes. It looks like this. A person gets saved. A person starts to serve, using their gifts in the local ministry, the local church, the local um, village or whatever, serving. They get sensitized to the spirit of God in the book of Acts. Jesus said, I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you the advocate. And it's, it's to your advantage when he comes because he's gonna come alongside you. They get sensitized. The Holy Spirit starts to nudge them. And then in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit just submerges them with his presence, fills them, baptizes them, and sends them. Jesus, his last words to his disciples before he's ascending, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. You'll go, I'm sent. I'm sent. A lot of us never get that far in our growth. A lot of us are more like John Mark. We want to always go back to Jerusalem. I want to go to heaven, I'm saved. I'll serve, you know, if I can be in the nursery or help with the teenagers, I'll serve my once a month or whatever, I'll serve. That's about it. Jesus died on the cross, we talk about it all the time. He resurrected with power, he gives us the Holy Spirit so I can come back to church and sit there for one more week or one more time during the month. 
I've got the Holy Spirit power so I can come and be a spectator in the kingdom. We short circuit our natural progression of growth when we never can declare the truth, I am sent. God sends us. He sent Abraham to reach the nations. You'll be father of nations. You'll bless all nations. And in the Old Testament, I'm sent. He sends Jesus. Jesus says, I've I've been sent by the Father. I've come with a mission to seek and save the lost. And on his mission, he goes to the cross. And he sends his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit sends people constantly. The whole book of Acts, sending, 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 sending. And he comes into the year 2018, and he descends upon this very congregation, and he says, who can I send? Are you going to stay stuck forever in Jerusalem? Or can I send you? Now, don't get all caught up in the magnitude of what the sending looks like, what this adventure looks like. For Paul and Silas, it took care of miles. It was, it was dealing with, with people, with Barnabas. It was dealing with hundreds, maybe thousands of people. It was taking on the forces of, of, of hell itself. That may be in line with some of you and for some of you, but for some of us, our adventure is much more scaled back, but it's still an adventure. You're sent maybe just across the street. You're sent maybe just down the hall in your, in your office building. You're sent maybe just into the den of your own house for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your parents, but you're sent. I'm, I'm sent. What is, what is off the charts, doesn't matter what the scale of your sentness is, what's off the charts is this. God died for me through Jesus, sent Jesus, Holy Spirit, resurrection, crucifixion, and shh, I don't want to tell anybody. Oh, shh, I don't want to do anything. No. He saves us to send us some of the best years of your life, some of the best mission that you have ahead of you, some of the best purpose and plan and destiny is still ahead because God's not done with you. God's sending you. And Alan last week said, would you, would you fast? Would you pray? Would you seek? Because you may not realize it, but God has you here for a reason. It's not just to take up space. It's to change the world. It's to move the kingdom. It's to advance his purposes. I'm sent. Second thing, I will not quit. I will not quit. When it's a couple minutes to noon that you don't want to hear the preacher saying that, but let me just tell you, (laughs) I will not quit. I will not quit. I I I don't want to motivate you. I don't want to hype it. I don't want to give you... I just, ask, I just ask you, don't quit. Don't quit. We live in a culture that quits. We quit our marriages, we quit our education, we quit our jobs, we quit relationships, we quit parenting. We, we quit. If somebody, if the road gets too hard, if Murphy shows up, we quit and we do something and we just quit. Don't quit the kingdom. Don't. Don't quit the mission, don't quit the adventure. John Mark, don't quit. Paul and Barnabas on on the the road see that the the door's wide open. It's a rough road, but the door's open. There's opposition, there's, there's oppression, but God 
gives his spirit and his power. And, and, and yes, we can do this. And because of that, we're going on. Mark, on the same road, says, mm, I don't know, the, the door's closed. The road's tough. There's too much opposition. I don't know that he called me for this. I don't know that I can do this. And he goes back. Same road, two different responses. I'm sent. I will not quit. Here's what I love about John Mark. When Paul, I don't know if you've seen the movie about the Apostle Paul, it's, it's, it's pretty good. He's in, he's in prison, he's waiting his death in Rome. And he has Luke with him. And he sends out a message to Timothy and says, I got Luke with me. Timothy, would you bring my books and my jacket? It's kind of chilly here. And oh, by the way, would, would you bring Mark with you to see me? Would you bring Mark? Because he's been so useful. He's been so useful. Somewhere along the line through Barnabas and, and others, Mark didn't stay in Jerusalem. He got back up again. He get knocked down seven times, get up eight times. He got back up again. He got back on the journey. He wrote the book of Mark that you still read and benefit from. He was so useful. It's always too early to quit. And if you have, it's never too late to get back up. Would you stand with me? Worship team is going to come back. We're going to sing. Let me just pray with you. And after the song, if you'd like to pray more, there are people here that will pray with you. Let me just, let me ask two things. Lord, I, I thank you for this, this congregation of people. I, I pray that you would in, impress upon them, saturate them with your spirit. Not just because that's what you do, but because you're, you're sending them. I pray that through them, this area will be reached for your kingdom and your, and your glory. I pray that the ministry of this church will become even more effective because you have people that are not spectators, they're, they're being sent on a great adventure. And Lord, I know there are some people here today and they've come here and they're tired, they're worn out, they're discouraged, they're depressed, they're defeated. Quitting is on their mind. Lord, would just the way you do with your spirit, would you give them a steadfast grit to keep going and to keep going and to keep going? I fought the fight, Paul said. I've kept the faith. I've stayed the course. And now for me is a great reward. May that be said of all of us in Jesus' name.